We thank you for this message, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you would take over today, Father. Thank you, Father, we release your anointing right now into this atmosphere even more. Double, Father. A double portion of your anointing, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you would minister to every heart, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are burning with this word like a lampstand, Father. That you would burn, with the, burn in us like a lampstand, Father. We don't want to watch the fire burn. We want to become the fire, Father. We don't want to talk to the burning bush. We want to, be, want to become a burning bush, Father. Oh, Father, let us not sit around and watch others be on fire, but let us become the fire with them and become a firebrand together, Father, that we may burn up the cities of our enemies in the spirit, Father, the principalities, Father, and the powers, Father, that control the lost, Father, that we would not have to defend our territory, but that we would invade the other territory, Father, that we would not always be on the defense, but we would always be in the offense, Father. You're bringing your bride, you're bringing your church to a level where they are always going to be on offense, Father, and the enemy's always going to have to be defending his kingdom, and he can't even touch our kingdom because he is raising up a church that the gates of hell, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against, Father. A church without spot or blemish, Father, without wrinkle, Father. You are taking us to this full major. You are taking us as the man-child. You are taking us, Father, to be the sons and daughters, the manifestation of the sons of God to the world, Father. Together, Father, we are the manifestation of the sons of God to the world. They are, they are waiting, Father. The world is groaning and waiting, Father, for a bride to come, Father, that will actually look like Him. A bride to come that will actually walk like Him and a bride to come that will actually come and bring salvation to them, Father. Thank you, Father. And I thank you, Father, to get to that process, to get to that place, Father, you have to purify your bride. And He's purifying His bride. Right now, he's purifying each and every one of us. I believe all, everybody this week in this house and even people on YouTube have been being purified all week. We have to discern when we're being purified. We have to discern when we're going through the fire because sometimes we may think it's the enemy. Sometimes we may think we're under attack, but it's actually God's fire. Sometimes we think we're just going through a bad thing or whatever, but God is actually trying us by fire. And that's what this message is called, tried by fire. If you are not tried by fire, you cannot be, the enemy doesn't, doesn't care if you get the word or you get this. Or, cool, you got a prophetic word. Cool, you got this. But if you're not tried by fire, the enemy doesn't care. Because it says that there's the seeds that go into the ground and there's some that goes in the, the, you know, the good ground. It stays there, grows, it has manifest fruit. But then there's the ground that the seed goes in and the thorns and the thistles choke it out. The seed goes in and because of persecution, it withers away in the wind. See, the word that you hear, even the word that you hear day in and day out, or the word that you hear from God, the, the word that you hear from this pulpit, it will be tested in you. It will, be go, it will go through the fire. The word that you get, the faith that is implanted in you, must go through the fire. To burn off all the chaff, to burn off all the draws, everything you receive from God has to go through the fire. If you ever look at fire that has to go through or gold that has to go through the fire, you'll see the gold, it has like this black tint to it. And you know when you go to the jewelry store, you see the gold and it's real nice and shiny and real bright, has that light to it, like we were just talking about, like the light. But when it's not refined, it has that gold tint and there's no shine in it. it the light's shining and there's nothing, it's gold, but it needs to be purified. And that's what our faith is like, that the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. Because the trying of our faith will set us apart from all the things that the little leaven 
that contaminates the bread. We all, everybody, nobody can say that perfect. Everybody has a little leaven that they need to purge. And it says, even talks about it, and I got the scripture here too, that, that actually, let's just go to it actually. Let's go to John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. See, he's, he's called us not just to be saved and go to heaven. He's called us to bear fruit because we are the temple of God. We are the representation. This body right here is no longer yours. What's yours is the, new, is the spirit, man, is the renewed spirit that God gave you. That's yours, the new man in Christ Jesus. But this body is now, you've traded with God. You've now given God, your body, that you may receive a heavenly body from heaven. See, now this body, you don't own it anymore. It's going to perish away, but God wants to use it for his purposes like a donkey. Like he said, that donkey, the Lord has need of it. He's using this body as the temple of God. So now when we defile this temple, we're not actually defiling just ourselves. We're actually defiling something that God is, is using. See, God uses a building, but the building is just is a building to comprise what he wants to do. Like he had the tent of meetings. What he wanted to do was the fire on the altar, the sacrifice, all those great things. But the tent was the house that would comprise of what was going to happen in there. But the tent had to be holy. So now you are now, we are now the tent of meeting. We're all tents meeting together in the meeting place of God in the tabernacle of tabernacles. We are the, now the tabernacle of God. And now we are to conduct, now our, heart, our hearts and our minds are the altars. Now our hearts and our minds are, are to be the lamb, have the lamb put on it and burn like a sacrifice. So now when we, what we do in this body, we do it unto the Lord. What we do in our life is no longer what we do, but it's what he does. See, we think of this body, oh, I have salvation, but you don't understand what salvation is. It's now that God has claimed ownership of you. Now you're God's, meaning I just gave, basically gave my, like, let's use a vehicle, right? I had a, I had a vehicle, and it's called my, let's call it my life. And I gave it now to another person. I now gave it to God. Now God has ownership of what goes on in that car. I, I don't want any, any mess in that car. See, you, before you were saved, you owned the car, your life. You could do whatever you want to, and nobody could tell you what to do or what not to do. But now we've given ourselves freely to God that he may own the car, that he may own everything, that he may have say what's going on and what's going in and out. So now when I defile that car, even though that car was mine, but I now give an ownership to another person, now whatever I do is now directed and judged by the one that owns it because I don't own it anymore. You don't own it anymore. See, he's, 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 we've given our car, if I'm just using this is all an analogy, so that we may receive an, an heavenly car. That's where we're groaning and waiting that when we, at the appearing of Christ, that we would receive our heavenly bodies. But we have to be faithful to this car, this life, for his life to be manifested in our life, that we may have manifest life in eternal life. See, we need, but we need to be faithful until the end. And then he will be faithful to us. That makes sense? Yep. Anybody here? Anybody lost? Because I'm telling you right now, this, everybody... Every word is going to be tested by fire. You, the, the word is going to challenge the word that's in you. Every, all the things that we think, all the things that we feel, all the intentions that we have, all the agendas that are on our heart, the fire is, is after it. There's going to be seasons where you have joy, peace, and righteousness, and everything's cool, and everything's good, and you're, very, you're clear with God. Well, how about Job? He was clean with God. God considered him a perfect, actually, I read it today, even considered him a perfect man. 
onto him. But the fire, you know, that was the fire. That was the shadow of the fire. And we're gonna, I'm going to actually get into that a little bit. But why, why, why does, does this thou come upon me, God? Think it no strange thing when diverse temptations and, 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 and tribulations come upon you. Because it is for the testing of your faith. That's what it's for. It's, it's to, to get the, there's some, see this, we, we're receiving from God, but we still have this old man. We still have the carnal thinking. We're being renewed in our mind daily by the renewing of the water, washing of the water of the word. So the washing of the water of the word is washing us, but there's still stuff that needs to be washed. And the dross that's in our mind, the carnality tries to stick to that gold, tries to stick to that word. The words from the world, the words from religion tries to stick to it and the fire has to come and separate it. The fire is not coming to, separate, to, to, per, to damage the gold. The fire is coming to separate the gold from the dross. That's the Bible. That's what he's here to do. Challenge. He, that, that the Holy Spirit will come and challenge our thoughts. Convict us of our thoughts. Come and, 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 and take us through things. He will even put you through things in the physical to get to you spiritually. He did it to Job. And it was deep, deep, deep thoughts and intentions that God was able to get to in Job because of what he did to him in the physical. See, sometimes God has to put you through things in the physical and you have to go through things and, and things, ha things have to happen. But Job had to remember that God was the creator. God had him confess back to himself that he's the creator. He has power over everything. He can make this happen. He can stop things from happening. But there's a reason why it happens, because all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called to his purpose. So what's happening to you right now is for his purpose. Even the things that the enemy does, God knows what's going on. God knows that, when the, that the enemy, you might be in a good place right now, but God knows in two days the enemy's going to come buffet you. But it actually worked miracles and glory in Paul. Because it actually kept him humble about his revelations. God uses the enemy like a little chess piece to get you in his place. He uses the enemy to push you the right way. That's how much he loves us. See, the religion would be like, that God doesn't do that. No way. He's not going to, God's not going to, isn't that manipulation? Isn't that, why would God do that? Why would God purge us like that? Why? But he says it in his Bible. And not only that, he, that's the ultimate form of love because I know that my will is always trying to get me to do what it wants. And God knows I don't want to do that. So because of my flesh, that I, my flesh is weak, God actually puts my flesh through the fire that my flesh would even obey the Spirit. See, we want to do the right thing, but there's, like Paul said, I do the things I don't want to do and the things that I do want to do, I can't do. But the fire is to, is to purge out to th the things that you do that you can do what he wants you to do. That's what the fire is there for. We cannot resist the fire. Like that one message that we had a long time ago, embrace the fire. Because I'm telling you, if you resist the fire... You'll get burned by the fire. People have gone through the fire. And, it, and, and even if, see, this times God will even be, you don't even know why the enemy's here. He's, he's, he's there for a reason. But God is actually using him to get you to where he wants you to be. You have to still resist him. But you have to, but then there's also that understanding that God is, is, is there's that point where the enemy comes and you're checking your motives. You're checking your mindsets. You're checking all the things. And then you actually start to find Oh, wait, there is a little something. Oh, wait. Oh, what's this? Oh, what's that? Then everything starts to get purged out of you. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So for those once saved, always saved people, 
if it cannot, does not continue to bear fruit, he takes it away and casts it in the fire. Where, and all the wood, it's burned in the fire, the ones that fall off the tree. That's what we're called to do, bear much fruit. Oh God, why am I going through this? It's because he wants to form Christ in you. He uses the darkness and the light to form you into his light. He uses the tree of good and evil to get you back to the tree of life. Don't you think, Adam, after he, he ate from the tree of good and evil, don't you think that he regretteth what he did? And that he, it, don't you think maybe that it actually got him even more closer to God? Look at what David says here, too. Psalms 119.71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Everybody say that. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I might learn thy statutes. That you might learn his word, that you might learn his ways. See, God will take your ways and he will put it through the fire and test your ways. And if they do not stand, they will fall and they will die in the fire. But his ways will be there to pick you up. His ways will be there to now be set upon your heart as, as your ways become his ways. This is a, a good and might. See, the fire is not something we need to run to. It's run from. It's like we need to run to it. See, like this right here, this shirt. You want to be on fire, but you can't even go through the fire. If you want to be on fire, that the fire actually, see, what, was, what, what happened with the strange fire, right? See, God even said, when you put the lamb, do not bring a lamb with spot or blemish. But we're putting things on the altar of God and we're, that have spot or blemish or that have wrinkle. And God cannot consume that because he, he ordered away. He wants, it, he wants the lamb in us to be perfectly and made whole. He does not want leaven in his bread. So he has to put, and what happened to those that did that, 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 what happened to the guys that did the strange fire, that they put that weird stuff on the altar, God consumed them. See, back in the old days, you put a strange offering, you're going to burn, God's going to burn you. But now because of his grace, God doesn't necessarily kill us, but he'll come in our heart and kill the flesh. He'll come in our heart and he'll start to burn everything impure that's giving, making us offer an impure sacrifice. See, we're supposed to be called a living sacrifice. But if we start to sacrifice ourselves to God in a, in a good intentions religious way or not the full way that he wants it, he comes to purge out every little 10% or 20% or however much percent of religion or worldliness you have in that sacrifice that your sacrifice might be approved by God. See, even Paul and Peter and all these guys, they're all talking about being approved by God. Because what is going to happen in that day is that our works are going to be tested by fire. There's going to be two men that are saved, but one's works are going to be, are going, are going to be accepted and, 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 and received and given a reward, and another is going to, his works are going to be burned by fire. But he still shall be saved. I don't want to live this whole life going to heaven and then realizing all that I did was, was not fireproof. All of it was just works of the flesh and the dead works and religion, I want to go to the throne and, and, and that knowing that all my works, everything that I was doing for, for God was all from God. Everything that was not from God will burn in front of God. That everything that is from God will live with Him and be recorded forever in the book of memory or whatever it is, forever and ever and ever. See, that's what we need. That's what we're living for. We're living for, see, people say, oh, what? it's not by works that you're saved though. Yeah, but now we have works of faith. Now we have works of God that God works in us. 
and those will be rewarded. There will be things in heaven over, the, over that. And even God showed me that there's a religious mindset when it says store your riches in heaven. He's not just talking about store your riches in heaven that, so that one day in heaven you'll reap those riches. You're actually reaping riches now in the flesh. Because he says, a hundredfold will I give you, Peter, not only in this life to come, but in this life now. For forsaking all, house, mother, brother, sister. So you don't even realize tomorrow's reward could be because of today's sacrifice. But you're, you, you start to not really want to sacrifice because you're like, well, I, I got to wait all the way till heaven to get it. But you don't even realize there's even rewards that come. See, when you start to pour out the anointing, God pours out more anointing on you. What you sow, you shall reap. Whatever you're faithful to, God will make you more faithful. God will trust and trust you with more to be faithful to. We have to be entrusted with what we have now or else he cannot trust us with something he wants to give, something more he wants to give us. God always keeps going, going, going. He doesn't stop and leave you stagnant. There's never a plateau in God. There's only a plateau in God when you decide to stop. But when you continue pouring out, he continues pouring out. Just like the woman with Elijah, that she gave that little tiny bit. Oh, sir, if I give this out, though, I'm, I'm going to die. That's how we are sometimes. If I give this little oil, that's all I have. I'm not going to have anything else if I give this. If I give this last bit of money, if I give this preaching, I don't have any other preaching. What am I ever going to preach again? Maybe I want to save it for the right time. But God says, give it, and it'll be pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it'll never stop. That's how we need to live. We need to never stop giving. We need to not, never stop pouring out, and he'll never stop pouring out. But we need to let our works be done by God, and then he will give us more works from him. He purges out, purgeth it. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Every branch that beareth fruit. Are you bearing fruit? Well, then he's going to purge you again and again and again. That way the fruit multiplies. And not only multiplies. Isn't this great, though? It's the fruit is multiplying. See, we look at the dying and the sacrifice and we're like, oh, oh. But you, the other day, were just asking God, God, give me more fruit. God, I want to love more. I want to have this more. I want God to flow me even more. And then the fire comes and you're like, what is happening? Well, you just asked for more. I'm giving you more, but I got to get, I got to divide the holy and the profane that I may bring more holiness. See, God said this to me before, and don't get me wrong about, he said this to me this morning. And don't get me wrong, God is trying to make us happy. He's, there's bring, he's bringing joy, peace, and righteousness in, that's the key, in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. Let me get, get, make sure nobody gets me on that. In the Holy Spirit, but not joy, peace, and righteousness in general. See, people are looking for joy, peace, and righteousness in general. They just want to be right, morally right, because they're trying to please people, or they just whatever, because of consciousness of man. But in the Holy Spirit, see, joy and peace is what we're going to reap from the kingdom of God being manifested in us. But God told me this one thing. So I, I was saying that so you don't understand this. He's not trying to make us happy. He's trying to make us holy. And when we become holy, we will be happy because we will know that we are right with God. When we're right with God, that's, see, now that we're born again, what makes us happy, see, you think things are going to make you happy, but when you're born again, what really makes you happy and what really fills the void is when you know you're, you're perfectly aligned with your, with your father and all your ways and all your, and all your see, all that, all that book of David, he was going on and on, God, make me right, God, get rid of the perverse tongue, God, get rid of this. He wanted his desire, right, the heart of David, right? 
He was after the father's heart. So his desire was to be exactly like his father because he knew that in that he was at peace. In that he knew he was at joy because he knew that when he would walk in God's ways, God would be with him. See, when you're walking in God's way, you know that God will be with you. And you know that you have nothing to fear because he will back his word. But when you start to walk in your own word, you, there, there comes the fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is to get us away from the things that make us fear. Because there's no love. There's perfect love casts out fear. But God comes and gets us to work out that we may fear the things that separate us from him. So the fire comes to actually separate that stuff that tries to separate us from him that we may not be separated from him. He's coming. The fire is like the thing in the middle that makes sure nothing gets in the middle between you and him. The fire is going to purify you that you may be like him and that you may shine like him and that your light may have no dullness like the moon, right? The moon is a light, but it has, it's partially dark. It has like a shade of light. But see, God wants us to burn like the sun. God wants us to burn like his son. He wants us to burn like him. He doesn't want us to burn sort of like him. He doesn't want us to burn uh, just, just in a way like him. He wants us to be the image of him on earth. So we need to get in a line with him. What is the moon? The moon is in a line with the sun, and that's how it shines. But if the moon was really, really in a line, how great would that light be? How great is that darkness in you? If you're, not fo- if you're focused on the light but focused on darkness, how great is that darkness? We need to be focused on the light. And even the fire of God will come. And, and every time we have a wrong focus, the fire of God will come to purge it out of you. It will come and challenge. It would bring things to the surface and make you face it. See, there's times where God winks at something and then there's times where God's like, because we all got something. Eventually, there's stuff in us now that God may not be even going at right now, but eventually he will. And that's when the fire brings it up and says, okay, now we need to deal with this. He starts making things happen and people come to you. Even Job, if you read the book of Job, there was even things that, because his, his friends were coming and comforting him, but they were accusing him and saying all these things about him. But even God was using the things that he was saying to check his own heart, even though what they were saying was from a condemning, was from condemning lips or was from uh, accusations. God was actually checking Job and using them. See, what, what the devil meant for evil, God will mean for good. So what the devil tries to do when he tries to bring people in situations and things, God will turn it around and he will turn the water and the wine. So, but you have to know the difference because you can't give in to those voices. You can't give in to those things, but you also need to give in to when God uses those things to show you things and to get things out of you and to put his things in there. All, everything you've ever been through or everything you ever will go through, even though it may not be right, even though you need to resist it, whatever, God does something with it that brings forth more fruit and gold. Don't, don't, don't cower or cry when you go through the fire or when the devil comes at you because understand that you, there's actually just, there's a reward just by going through it because now that you've been through it, now it produces something in you that says, I don't care if that thing comes back again, I will stand on top of it and you come out even stronger in the end. You know, the world says, what doesn't kill you make you stronger. Well, in a sense, that is right. It will make you stronger if you stand in God. What, what, doesn't, what, uh, what doesn't kill you make, will, will actually kill you. It will kill you if you don't stand in God. 
See, when the devil forms a weapon against you, it will not prosper. And when it does not prosper, God makes an, a weapon out of you. But you need to make sure that you stand in him and it won't prosper. See, everything is conditioned. Yes, I said that word conditioned upon us standing in him. On standing on his word. Because it says, my promises are yes and amen, but it's not yes and amen unless you say every day of your life, yes and amen. amen. To his word, and he'll say yes and amen to your promises. The promised land was for them, was for the Israelites, that was their promise, but they didn't stand and they didn't stick with God. They got weary, they started to complain, and the promise was no longer yes and amen. It was yes and amen as they were walking. Yep, just keep going. Get there and it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. But really, God didn't give it up for them. They gave it up. They turned to idols. They turned to another God. They turned to this. They had it. The promised land was theirs. The promise is yours. But you need to go. Even, even the wilderness, even God was showing me that. Even the wilderness, because you know, you hear it say by some people that the wilderness was, uh, uh, that God could have led them there to the promised land in one day or, or a week or whatever. I don't know if it says something. People say that it says something like that. But even if, whether it does or not, I believe God could have led them there right when he wanted to. But because God was actually even taking them through an image or a shadow of the fire, he was actually purifying a bride out of his bride, Israel. He was getting rid. God knew what was. When God parted the Red Sea, God knew exactly what was going to happen all the way to the end. But even when God knew that, even when Jesus knew Judas was going to turn on him, Jesus stayed faithful to preaching the word and giving him as if he was going to be an apostle like the others. Then he turned on them. See, God knew the Israelites were going to turn on him, but he still opened the Red Sea. He still bring the fire. He still bring the wind. He still bring all these things, the rock. Even when Moses complained to God and said, oh, these people want food. They want water. God said, give it to him. He didn't say, oh, yeah, you're right, Moses. These people are complaining. God saw it, but he was trying to woo them and woo them and woo them. God was doing things and actually checking people's heart. And even Miriam and Aaron were good. And then they got something got in them. And they had to even go through. And that one, one woman had to go through leprosy and all these things. But God was all through that time. God finally found a generation that would come out of them that would actually get to the promised land. God was refining them until he can get a people that would come out of them and serve him. Malachi 3, 1 through 3. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of his covenant. Who do you think he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. And that day he will come. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like the refiner's fire and like the fuller's soap. He shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Purifying us for righteousness. Joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. But it's, there's no joy and peace if there's no righteousness. See, he's purifying all the unrighteousness out of us. He's purifying all the, all the, even, not even just, let's not even just go with sin. Let's even talk about wounds. 
Let's even talk about things that we do to ourselves. Let's even talk about beating ourselves up or things like that. Whatever we do or, or things from the past, memories from the past. He will even take you and let, the enemy, and let you face the enemy in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, just like he did with Jesus, make you face it and make you overcome it. That way, when the crucial time comes, because what did it say after the 40 days and 40 nights? When the crucial time came, then after all that, Satan finally waited for an opportune time. See, God will put us through the wilderness like a fire for 40 days and 40 nights like Jesus, and we will face diverse temptations, like it says, and... God will make us face it so that when the opportune time comes, the devil can't get us on it. How about that opportune time when you're on a mission trip? How about that opportune time when it's time for you to deliver the kingdom of God? How about that opportune time when it's time for you to walk in your calling and walk in your destiny? God wants to purify you for that place so that the enemy cannot take your destiny. He takes you through things that were from your former destiny that the devil meant for you, makes you face it, overcome it, that you would stand in his destiny for you. But you have to face it. We cannot try to hide from our flesh. We need to be ready. To, we need to be ready. When God's time, because it says, mortify the deeds by the Spirit. When the Spirit's ready, when the Spirit's doing it, see, you want, might want things out of you right now that you see in you, but God's trying to get you, get something out of other, other. See, you might be trying to, you might see fruit in your life, and you're trying to take it off the tree or trying to rip it off. Or you're trying to, take, or, or find us fire, come. But God's like, I ain't going to take that off. I'm going after the root. I'm going after what's producing that fruit because, yeah, sure, I'll take that fruit off of your tree. But then here you are a week later back in it, back wallowing again, back going, rehashing the past, rehashing this, rehashing that. I have to get to the root or you never will be delivered. I have to get down to it. So you have to, to walk in me in the fire because there's a fourth man in the fire. Oh, what was that? Nebuchadnezzar. I thought three men were in there, and even the men that bound them, I was reading it this morning, even the men that bound them and threw them in, even they died from the fire. The fire was so hot, but they didn't die. And Nebuchadnezzar, wasn't there fourth man in there? Or wasn't there, th wasn't there just three men? I see four. Why do I see four? Is that the son of God? See, God was even revealing to a Babylonian about his son. That's how powerful the revelation of God is, of Christ is. But he's with us in the fire. And then when they came out, what happened? What happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Then Nebuchadnezzar all of a sudden started praising God again. Then all of a sudden it was, oh, wow, the, the God of all creation. This is surely the God of all creation. He did this. Even the enemy, even your enemies will be at peace, of you, peace with you. And even the enemies will come to you when he purifies you. And you'll be able to say, Satan, there's nothing in me. Come out of him. And then even there was demons in one part that they were coming to Jesus and say, oh, don't have mercy. Even the demons were asking for mercy and cast us into the pigs at least. Even the devils will tremble and, and ask for you to have mercy in them. That's how much power God wants to take us. That's where God wants to take the church. We may not be there yet, but this, everything that we're going through, it is no strange thing. It is to make us, take us to that place that when men come and revile us and persecute us, our conscience is clean and they have no power over us. That whatever the enemy comes, they're like a fiery dart. We'll just take our shield and yank that thing right off. Some of us have the fiery dart stuck to our shield and we can't get it off and we can't get it off and we need a brother or sister to get it off. But the day will come when we will be manifest to the world and it doesn't matter if they threw a hundred fiery darts, the shield of faith will already be up. 
We won't have to remind ourselves every day to take up the shield of faith. We'll be doing it. But that's where the fire is getting us to. It's molding us into his image. It's molding us not into his image, just how he would do things, but he starts to get us to walk like he would walk, speak like he would speak. Our words are being, are being purified, but out of the heart comes the word. So the heart, he purifies the heart. Every intention of the heart, every little thing that you speak about in your heart that you come in agreement with, it will be tested and it will. And if it's not of God, it will be purged out. That's why it says bear fruit in keeping with repentance because God is going to show things in your heart and then you'll need to turn away from it. But he will, this is a, a process. He continually does this until he makes you into the image. Why do I have to keep repenting? Didn't I repent? I said, Lord Jesus, be my savior. I, I said, I left the world and now I'm here. I still got to repent. Well, you, don't, you just, you forgot that he says, by the renewing of your mind, bear fruit. I'm going to purge the tree and I'm going to make it continue to bear fruit. Whatever is, what is the, how does the branch get the, get the fruit? It abides in the vine. So everything that's keeping us from continuing to abide in him, he purges it. Everything that doesn't look like him. Some of us are growing fruit, fruit and it has mold on it. Some of us are growing fruit. You ever seen, I used to have an apple tree when I was younger. And some of the fruit would grow nice and nice and ripe and juicy. And some would be more juicier than others. That's where Christ wants to take us. He wants us to become even more juicier. But some would grow with stuff on it. That's, what he, that's where he's taken us to. That when our fruit would grow, it would not be tainted. Some people have fruits and some people have things in them that are from God, but it's tainted. That's why God can use the gifts and callings all without repentance. But God wants to raise up a bride that has the gifts and callings, but also has the fruits and has the character of Christ. And has the heart of Christ. That has the heart of the Father. See, the, the, this move of God is the full, what God wants to do in the last day, the full manifestation of the Son of God in His bride, in earthly vessels. That, but He doesn't want us out there moving. Yeah, cool, you're moving in the gifts and you're moving in that. But then people look at us and like, but he's so mean. Or but he has this on or, or this. So look at all that pride or look at that. He's raising up the fullness so that when we walk, people would not only see the glory of God, but they would see the holiness of God. What do the angels cry out? Holy, holy, holy. They don't just say glory, glory, glory. They say holy, holy, holy. And that glory, glory, glory comes from the holy, holy, holy. See, they cry out both holy, holy, holy and glory, glory, glory. Oh, your presence, but all oh, your holiness and your majesty and how, how bright and how purified you are. That's where he's getting us. Righteousness unto holiness. That's what it says. Proverbs 17.3, the, the finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. He tries the hearts that our heart would be formed. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. According to the grace which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that, than that, that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. For if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. 
It shall try every man's work. All of our works will be tried by the fire and it will be shown. It will be made manifest to some form, to some way, to you and maybe even to others, whether it is of God or not. See, we can see somebody preaching, but what sometimes we can't see is the spirit of what is being preached. Sometimes people preach and they preach everything right, but then you see how they act and you see how they move and it's of another spirit. See, the fire makes it manifest, and the fire will even make things manifest. And I believe even with Saul and David, God was trying to make that thing manifest in Saul. That that thing where he wanted to be liked by the people. And then what happened? They were singing, David killed 10,000, Saul killed 1,000. Or, yeah, Saul killed 1,000. Don't you think that maybe God was trying to get that thing to arise out of, out of, out of Saul? And then all that happened, all that, all, everything that happened, God made that manifest. By the fire of God. It was like, and God even, it even talks about in the Bible that he'll put coals of hot fire on people. And it's for the purpose even of repenting. Or I'll even toss them out of the church that they may, for the destruction of their flesh, that they may be saved. So there's things God does to make things manifest, to get things out of us, to get us things in us. But he does it by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, of where it's from, of what it is, of if it's of God or if it's, of, it's, if it's not. Any man that builds another foundation, he's even talking about foundations and foundational things, Christ or is it another Christ? The fire is going to reveal it. Oh, oh, Elijah, our God is going to, we'll, we'll, we'll call down fire and it'll be, and, we'll, and it will show that our God is real. All right, so then let's have a showdown of fire. Let's have a showdown of fire, Cor, and let's see if your God or what you're saying is of God because it will be shown by power. The fire is going to reveal whose sacrifice really is of God and who it is, it is of not. The ones that are burning are from Him. The ones that are not burning are from below because the fire comes from heaven. So there's showdowns of power. There's showdowns of fire that prove somebody's work or prove somebody's not, but everything and everyone will be tried by fire, whether their works are of God or of not. One will stand and one will not. See, like the three, there was three that bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there was three that went in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three stood, couldn't stand the fire, and they were Babylonians, and three did stand the fire. But every man's work will be tested by fire. But we, we need to, that's why we need to go after the incorruptible seed. It cannot be corrupted. That's why we have to go after, listen and hear things from heaven that are from heaven and not entertain things that are from hell because it will all be brought up and it will all be made manifest. And it even says about that, that one scripture, it says that all things hidden will come to the light and all men will see. Everybody will know what is the deep thoughts of the heart. The fire manifests the thoughts in the action. The fire, will, it says out of the heart, the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. What's in your heart will eventually come out because the fire will make it come out. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it, and it's, especially when it's, I mean, in the world, that's the world. I'm talking about in the church. I'm talking about in God's real church because in the false church, everybody's just running around doing strange fire and doing whirlwinds and they don't even know what's going on. God's just like, let, they're going to end up realizing later that they know what they're doing. But see, there's things that we don't know and there's things that we, we try to test and we don't know if it's of God, but the fire tested. And if it stands, it's God. If it doesn't, it's not. Everything you believe, every doctrine you've ever believed, every word you've ever heard, eventually it'll go through the fire and it'll have to stand or fall. 
every thought in us. If any man's work abide which he hath built it thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, it shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire, see the fire will even save you. Because people, some people are going to die with their works. But God will make the works die that you may live. See, God is, is coming. He, it says he brings, before he comes to the world and brings judgment, we think God's bringing judgment to the world. Sure, he always is, but really, God, it says judgment starts in the house of God. So God comes and judges his church that way on that evil day that the church would not look like the world and, have, and be receiving different judgments, but they would look, both look the same. God doesn't want his remnant. He doesn't want to pull a third of the people out of, of Israel. I'm talking about the, the church. And make them look, make them look, he wants to make them look actually set apart. He wants to actually make them look. See, even in Revelation, he was setting apart some from each church. There was few of you in Sardius that have not, that have not sold your garments and you will walk with me in white. But some of you are lukewarm and I will spit you out of my mouth. Be hot for him. But some of you entertain that doctrine of the Nicolaitans and of Jezebel and you will be thrown in a sickbed with her. See, he's refining. But people, and then he, even the sickbed can even be, see, even Job was taken, was put in, in sickness and even he even had scabs and stuff. See, God will do things. Jesus, was this man, was this man that's blind, was this his father's sin or his sin? No, it is for the glory of God. What's happening to you now or what may be happening to you or, the, or you might be through a trial where you need to be healed or whatever, but it's for the glory of God. It may not even be because of sin. And then some he looks at and says, sin no more. Something worse will come upon you. But then some he looks upon you and says, this is for my glory. And this is so that I can show my power. God takes people through some things and makes and lets some things happen to some people that their glory may be, that, their glo that they may have glory and honor in him, that they may be abased and abound in him. Whatever God has to do, God knows how different people are going to react to different people. God may put one thing through one other, but he might not do the same for another two to have, to have the same thing happen to them because he knows they may not repent. Some may get to have something happen to them, and then they're like, why is this happening? And then they, they just, it just brings them in the, in the more torment, and some will actually go repent and hit their knees. God knows what, what will get our attention, but it's, it's no strange thing. It's, it's his... It's his process of purifying he put things he put the israelites through things all the time he could stop people from coming into the land of israel and stop them from invasion but he allowed it based on their hearts all the kings that were over the israelites was based on their hearts why do you, why oh god do you allow this calamity to come upon why the king but really i'm the king and if i'm not the king of your heart i'll bring another king that you may Come to me and that you may repent to me. See, now when I bring a king that you don't like, now you come to me. Look what it's done. It's bringing you back on the godliness. You don't hear this priest in the church because nobody likes that because they say God's a loving God, but really he will do anything to win his bride. This is the mercy of God. The fire of God is, is really the mercy of God. And he will do whatever he needs to do to bring men onto repentance, especially his men and women. Let, mo no, let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 1, 5. 
1 through 5, and, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man fa be found faithful. He's making us faithful. Keep these things in mind. Faithful, patient, endure, having endurance, having durability, being able to stand. He is doing all these things to be able to make us stand. He's putting through you through little trials that you think is so big, but he's getting, putting you through the little trials as a training ground that you may stand in that training ground. And when the real thing comes upon you, when glory starts to really manifest, because you better get ready. If you want the glory to manifest, if you want the glory to really manifest like we're saying it's going to be and like we're hearing it's going to be and like we know it's going to be, the devil, the, that's when the gates of hell open. But God is training us and prepping us, taking us level by level and things by thing. And we're in a training ground. That when, see, when you're in a training ground, you faced all the simulations of combat and you, you bent, and then when, you come to the real thing, you're like, I know what to do. Boom, 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 whatever. And people that are in the army, the people that have been through whatever, they know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's God's putting you through simulations in a sense. If you, that's how we actually should think about it. Because he's training us. And he'll even, and God has even been showing me too that he'll even, he puts everything through the fire. He puts relationships through the fire. He puts callings through the fire. He puts Things God told you through the fire. He puts words through the fire in you. See, like a word that may be preached. And you may not believe it fully. You may not, it may not resonate in you. It may not be flesh in you yet. But the fire will actually make it be flesh in you. The fire will actually come and make you run to that word and rely on that word. See, the fire of God works with the word of God and works with the spirit of God. But the fire of God is really the spirit of God. It's a matter of how he comes. He says, I will baptize you in the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit and fire. But what does that mean? Is that the fire? Because people say it's the fire of his zeal. It's the fire of, of wanting him more. It's a fire. Of, no, well, if you got hold, filled with the Holy Spirit and you don't want him, you can get filled with the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit and fire that he may purify you that he may bring you onto himself closer and closer and closer because we think when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's over and we're done and we're sealed. Yes, we are sealed, but he wants to purify you in that process. He wants to make you into his image. He wants you to walk because the purifying is not because when we go to heaven, there will be no sin. There will be nothing. It will be, we will be free forever from, from the devil, from the torment. That's why we groan and wait because we know that no, there's no more going to be no tribulation, no heartache, no whatever. We know all that. That's what we hope for. That's what we look on to that day that we will be with the Lord forever. But the reason why we're purifying ourselves right now, well, God, why don't you just do it right now? Why don't you just take everything out of me and just do it right now? Because you don't even realize the more I'm making you face things and the more, your flesh is actually leading you to me. Your flesh is actually getting you to weep between the porch on the, and the altar. So I'm not stuck on the porch but because of, the, because of your flesh, it will drive you to the altar. Some are stuck on the outside of the temple, but because of their flesh, they come to the temple and they come to the altar. And they come and get clean. They throw themselves on the flesh. See, God actually uses your flesh as an advantage to make himself flesh in you. He gets the flesh off the dry bones so that the dry bones will cry out and that new flesh will come upon them. So the flesh is actually, you don't even realize, and it sounds crazy and and something that's crazy to say, but the flesh is actually a blessing for God to bring you to him. That's how he uses things. He uses your flesh to actually make a bride for himself. A willing bride. 
Because he, when, he, when He filled you with the Holy Ghost, He chose you. But He chose you just like Esther. There was many brides that were called, and then they all had to go through a process, and they all had to, had to please the king and do all this and do all that and do all that. And that's what we are. We're in the, the phase where all the wise virgins are coming to the bridegroom and are presenting themselves and they're being purified that they be, may be ready, to be ready to be married to the Lamb. That's what, that's what the fire is for, that, that we may be pleasing to Him, but that we, owe, that we also may want to be pleased with Him. Because even as Esther was with the king more and more and more, she started to fall in love with Him. See, some say Jesus is king, but when He comes around, they're not in love with Him. God is actually bringing us through the process and fire of, and, and trying of our faith through time that we would even fall in love with Him more. That we, the more we know about Him, the more revelation, the more understanding, the more encounters, the more things He has us through, He starts to woo us. People don't even realize that God will actually start to use certain people. I know people that they started really following Jesus when God really used them, like really empower and, and manifested things, but it wasn't actually because He was just using them to show everybody who's actually trying to woo that person themselves. See, I, you hear a lot of people's testimony, and you hear all the mighty things that happened to them in the beginning, but they don't even understand they were in the wooing phase. They were in that phase where God was trying to, trying to it, it's called the honeymoon phase. Right? When you get married to somebody, you go through a honeymoon. And there's a honeymoon even in the kingdom in a sense that God starts to, show you things and starts to give you great revelation. Well, whatever happened to when I was first saved and all that, that joy of my salvation, all those things that happened and God did, God did this and that and the third, you don't even realize there was something God was, he, there was an intention and a purpose for it that he would call you to the wilderness now. Because they wouldn't have, Moses and all them wouldn't have been as confident unless they saw the Red Sea part, unless they saw the fire by night, unless they saw all of their enemies, the Egyptians get swallowed up in the water. God was wooing them, and now he, then he was saying, now you're called to a process. I want you to see all this stuff, that you may fall in love with me and know what I'm about and know what I have for you. That way, when you're in the midst of the wilderness, after seeing nothing for a long time, you may remember. That's why he would always say, remember what I did in, what I did in Egypt? Remember what I took you out of? Remember when I parted the Red Sea. Remember, God's not just remembering because he's saying just remember. He's saying remember because this is what I still have and this is what I can still do and this is what I'm trying to bring you to. Remember. See, and that's what you need to do when you're in times of struggle and you're in times of temptation and the devil's trying to get you to fall away from the faith is you need to remember. See, we're saved by the, by the, by the blood of the Lamb and the, and, the, and the word of our testimony. Even our testimony keeps us in the game. The blood keeps us in the game, but, the, word, but, the, but the, the testimony of what He's done in our life. That's why people that, they say they're saved, but God's never done anything in their life. He's never showed their power. Are they really saved? Because God always comes in. He comes in by power. He fills them with the Holy Ghost. He does all these things so that when we hear, when we remember the word of our testimony, it keeps us motivated. It keeps us going after the eternal things because we've had eternal things happen to us. We've had, we keep going after godly things because we know the power of all the godly things. We don't just hear the word and say the word is great. We remember the power of the word and, and it keeps us in the word. We remember what happened in Egypt and how he took us out of it. And when we go through the wilderness, we remember how he can take us out of the wilderness and he can take us into the promised land. That's what it's for.
5. Not therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring the light to the light, the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, then shall every man have praise of God. He will make manifest everything, all the hidden things of the heart. And even the counsels, the things, how we, the things that we do. And I see God does even, is even jealous for the operations. God even gave me this word about op, the way we operate. See, when we, when, we get through, when we go through the winds and rains, and even God will simulate the winds and rains. Even God will come as the wind. He'll come as the rain and shake you to, see, to show you that what you're standing on is not what you should be standing on. But God wants to come and, because how, when the enemy comes, when things happen and situations arise, how we operate matters. How we approach the situation matters. And God's jealous for that. So if there's a way of operation in our hearts that is not of him, he'll actually take us through the fire so that we would stop operating like that and operate how he wants us to operate. So he has to operate on us so that when we operate, we'll operate like him. The fire operates on us and the fire comes out of us, out of us and operates manifest in the spirit. But we need to let the fire of God operate in us. We need to let even God, see, it's, he, wants to, he, will, he, he lets the winds and rains come so that we can find the rock. When the winds and rains come, you're trying to find a stable place. He even uses the winds and rains to get us to find the stable place. He gets us to find the rock because we start to realize, oh, this ain't, this ain't working. This mindset, this thought, that I, how I'm, it's not working. And then you start to cry out for gold. And then you start to actually want to see. Then you start to realize, wait, I'm being a blind God here. I need somebody to guide me. Oh, wait, this light is a Duracell and it's artificial. I need a light onto my lamp. I need that candle that burns bright and shows me the way because this Duracell light is so thin. Have you ever had one of those lights? It's terrible. And you're trying to light, and it's like, it's like a shade. It's like the moon, like we were talking about. It's like a shade of light, but it's like you can't see anything still. But the, the, his light is like a fire, and it shows us everything, and it lights up and illuminates everything before us. That's where he's getting us to. That's what the fire is getting us to do, is to get the fire to start guiding us by night. The fire guides us by night. The fire guides us through our darkness. The fire guides us out of our flesh. When all seems dark and the flesh is all over us or we're in the flesh or we're focused on the flesh, the only thing that's a light onto us is the fire of God that comes to purge it out of us. The fire of God is the, is the pillar of fire that guides us through the wilderness. The wilderness is the shedding process. And the fire gets us through the shedding, gets us through the old skins coming off. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. If anybody wants to follow, follow me, they must be willing to suffer with me. You want to be, oh, I want to be inheritance of Christ. I want to be a co-heir. Well, you're co-heirs with suffering. Welcome to the kingdom. Suffering in the world, from persecution and diverse things, they'll throw you in jail, they'll do this. And even, he says in the book of Revelation, that even people that, I think it's in, the, in the, sixth, the sixth church, he says, the devil will throw some of you in jail. That, that diverse things, that strange things. Why am I in jail? I didn't do anything. What did I do? Think it not strange. Because 
it's not only, it's not even only, you're going to face it for the trying of faith, but you're also going to face it because you're living for me. You're drinking my cup now. See, Jesus was drinking the cup of his suffering because they hated him, but he was also drinking the cup of his suffering to die on the cross because he was also called to do that. See, he didn't, he didn't just, he suffered because they hated him. The, the Pharisees wanted to persecute him and God, and God, it was the whole thing was set up really by God, but they didn't know that they were being set up by God. But God knew that they were being set up by God. They were still accountable to what they did, even though God set it all up. But he used it because he, that happened because it, see, even Jesus said to the king, you can't, you can't crucify, you can't do that to me unless my father allowed it. You can't do this to me, king. You think you have power over Because he says, you better answer. Because even Jesus, he was talking to Jesus, he says, you better answer me. Because I have the power to put you to death or let you live. And he said, you don't have power to do that. My, my, unless my father allowed you. So even though in their minds they were trying to crucify him, God was actually using it as a hope. There was a whole purpose behind it. And Jesus was even in the fire Facing his will in the Garden of Gethsemane. The fire is where you, the will of God and the will of man meets up and one dies and one stands. Amen. So what is it going to be? When you're standing, you have to choose. But the fire of God is going to make that happen and it's going to be two houses and you're going to have to pick the house and draw the line and, and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. God is going to bring you to places where you have to make decisions and it's going to be, and it's not even just going to be the enemy, it's going to be God himself setting it up. See, God sets up, the, the enemy thinks he's battling with God. God's like, yeah, right, I'm using you for my purpose. You think you're, I know who's going to be saved anyway. I know what's going to happen. I know what you're going to do next. And the enemy tries to outlast God like he, yeah, God, yeah, yeah. It's like he's, and God's sitting there giggling behind him because he's like, yeah, look what you just, no, look, now he's repenting. Look, oh, you can't, you came after him, but now he's, He's getting in his destiny. Now he's going after the things of God and no longer the things of man. Look what you just did. You helped me. You don't even realize. I'm using you. I created the darkness. I created the light for my purposes. So if you're, you think you're getting in my way, devil, I have crushed you from, from the beginning in the garden. Yep. Jesus has crushed him. Not only has he crushed us because he crushed him because he's given us authority, but he's using the enemy to get us into our authority. See, we don't even know about our authority unless the enemy tries to come and take authority over us. And then that gets us to teach us and learn about our authority. If there was no enemy, we would not know how to overcome the enemy. If there was no darkness, there would be no light. But the light always will be and always is and always was. But the darkness come to oppose it that way. The sons, the sons of man may be convinced that the light is better than the darkness. See, God let, God, why did God do, put the, the, the devil put the tree? God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did he do that? He was, setting, he was setting the whole thing. He knew what was going, going on. He knew what was going to happen. See, to God, it's all, it's all, it's like, I don't want to call it his game, but it's like his, almost like his game. It's like, I'm putting all these players in this game, and I'm going to see who, through all the obstacles, through all the temptations, through all the things that I allow to happen, who will stand until the very end and say, I will serve the Lord until I die. See, you say, Oh, God, my will, not my will. I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. I'll do this. I'll do that. But how about when temptation comes? How about when trials come? How about when tribulation comes? That's when you really find out when you said that, do you really mean it? See, God wants you to mean it so he puts you through things so you can find out if you really mean it. 
or so that he can finally get you to really mean it. God, I know I said that when I was young in the Lord, but now I'm really saying it because I, I know. I, I, I really want you. I don't want... And he'll even put you... See, things in our flesh that we like to do that is not pleasing to God and we try not to do it, he will actually make you flesh it out. That way you can just... Because God doesn't want us to just deliver things. He wants us to hate things. He says, love, he says, I want, how does it go? I want to love the, the things he loves and hate the things that he hates. So he's putting us through things that way we can not just get it out of us, but that we can hate it, that we would never want to go back to it. Because if the man gets delivered from seven demons and cleans the house, but doesn't fill the house, seven more come back. So he wants to clean the house by giving no footholds for the, for anything to come back in the house. But he has to purge the house. He has to cleanse the house. He has to try the house. He's the fuller soap. He comes and he, it says, it says, uh, the temptation is taken not strange because even all your other brothers and sisters, global, or I don't know if it says whatever it says, all your other brothers and sisters in the faith are facing the same things. Because God is doing the same things. He's trying to bring them to the same place. When he's trying to bring them to the same place, he's bringing them through the same things. And we're even going through the same things that Jesus went through. Even in that moment, facing our will. Even in that moment, the kingdoms of this world are the kingdom of God. Even in that moment, trying to, the enemy tries to come and get us to test God. Even in, well, so like in those moments when you're like, is God even real? God, do something, do something. Come bring fire from heaven so I can know you're real. Do not, sometimes we even try to test God because we want to know if God's real. But God, see, God has grace on us. But he, it was like the devil was saying, are you really the son of God? Well, if you're the son of God, then jump off this thing. Let the angels pick you up, just like it says back in, in uh, the Old Testament. And let's see if, and it, and it gets you to think, but you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. All the same temptations the devil will take you to. If you're really the son of God, turn this bread into, turn these rocks into bread. Well, you're hungry, you want the word, so why don't you go listen to a minister right now that will feed you any bread? How about the bread from heaven? See, it's the same temptation. It may not look the same, but there's an image of it that is like, see, it's the, he came in the likeness of God and he brings the likeness of his temptations upon us or he leads us to them. God doesn't tempt any man, but he leads us through temptation. See, understand one thing. God doesn't Put these things upon you, but he leads you. He said, and it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. God knew the enemy was going to be there. God knows where the enemy is going to be every single minute. So, but he, there's times where God wants you to just face him so that you can overcome him and that you can receive your crown of glory for eternity. So, but you need, you need to stop thinking. We have this mind in Christianity. We want everything to be nice and good and everything to be cool. I don't have to worry about stresses of life, hard things, blah, 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 blah. But God says, you know what you were called to? Do you know, did you count the cost? God even had to ask me because, you know, we're not supposed to, see, love doesn't count the cost, it pays it. See, but God wants us to count the cost in the sense that he wants us to know what we signed up for. That we may not think that, well, this can't be Christian, this can't be God, what is all this stuff happening? Why is all these attacks? Why is it this? Why is it that? Do you know what, it, you're not called here to just, you're not called to the body of Christ to just be saved and go to heaven. You're called for the body of Christ to be saved from your flesh. You're called to the body of Christ to, be, to, be, to suffer with them. See, we're, we're, not, we're not individual suffering. Individually, we're suffering together. And we're overcoming these present sufferings so that we may have that ever-present reality of eternal life forever. That we may have that ever-present glory upon us. 
I praise God, Paul said, when I suffer because I know that the power of God shall rest upon me. God doesn't want to rest upon a harlot. He wants to rest upon the bride. So that's why he's calling us out of the harlot and being call, calling us to become the bride that he may entrust his glory upon us. His glory is for us. His power is for us. But we need to get for him so that he can trust us to, be, to release him to the, to the world. But we have to get Egypt out of us. See, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. Because how do I know that? Because they were in the wilderness Where's the onions? Oh, the, but the onions in Egypt were even better. See, Egypt was still in them. And when they were in Egypt, they were miserable, but because there was things that they don't like now in the kingdom, they're like, well, I'd rather go back to that because that was just a lot more easier. But you'd rather be going under slavery than be a slave to God. See, we're not delivered from being a slave, we're actually be, but we're a slave to freedom because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, we don't know what freedom is because the world has always primed us that freedom is do what you want, but you don't even realize do what you want is actually the biggest prison there is. Because you don't understand that the things that you want to do, you're bound to. In the world, you are bound to do those things. Because if you, and you know that, you know why? Because when you tried to get out of the things that you wanted to do, there was a wrestling. And some of us found out about the devil on that day. When we decided that we didn't want to smoke smoke anymore, we didn't want to drink anymore, we didn't want to watch pornography anymore, we don't want to do this anymore. Then we started to find out, oh my God, there's an opposition. I can't just do what I want. Wait, you can't just do what you want. Because now you can't even stop doing what you don't want to do. So you think freedom is do what you want, but then when you do what you want and you don't want to do it anymore, now it has you arrested to the lust of it. Is it really do what you want or is it really do what he wants and he's just saying, do what you want, but it's really me. Do it that will, but it's really my will. Satan, I'm talking about Satan. That's what he's saying. He's luring you in because he knows, what, he knows what the flesh wants. He knows that the flesh wants to be fulfilled, so he uses those things to think that you want it, but you weren't created to want that, but you fell without him. So now he's creating us to want what we actually do want because God, has, God created us in his image, so deep down what we really want is what God wants. We're just finding that out. Some still haven't even found that out, and they're in the kingdom. They don't even realize when God puts something in front of them, they don't even realize how good it is until they go through all these other things. Then they really realize, like when you're growing up, right? Your mom puts broccoli in front of you and a glass of water, but you want soda pop and you want a cupcake and you want gummy bears. But you don't realize that broccoli is about to make you strong. That water is about to give you energy. That, this, 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 that, and the third is going to do this for you. And that, that, and the third is going to do that bad for you. But you think it's good because it tastes good, because it feels good. But because your mind is carnally minded, you go and do that instead. Because, well, the senses, it makes my senses feel good. But a kid doesn't know what's right for him, right? A kid only knows what feels right and what looks right. But when you get older, you start to understand. My people perish for lack of knowledge. You start to, he starts to bring knowledge and understanding to get you to know what, what you need. And then you start to go through diverse temptations and trials. Then you start to realize, or let's, let's use another world, another analogy. Well, I, want, I went to the gym and I couldn't even lift a 15-pound weight. Well, why aren't you eating your broccoli? Oh, I, I went for a run on a mile run I, and I couldn't even last the first five steps. I'm already winded. Well, why don't you drink your water? See, 
God puts us through these things to realize that we need these things that we didn't think we, need, we needed when we were in the world. And then, he, and then we see, we don't just start doing, walking in holiness and righteousness because we're told to. We start walking in holiness and righteousness because we realize how, how better and much more great of a life it actually is. But you look at, see, if you have a, a person who is a robber or steals stuff, he thinks, well, it's easy. I could just go get it and, 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 and it gets got. But then when the robber starts to have, get arrested and things start to happen and then the law is after him and he starts living that life in prison, they're like, oh, man, stealing stinks. I shouldn't have done that. See, these things, they, it teaches us. Even like, I mean, we're not, nobody should be stealing stuff and doing that in the fear of the kingdom. But I'm saying, just like how that God uses that, God uses things to get us to realize we don't want those things but we want these things of God you don't realize you need it until it presents itself of need Jesus probably sold that donkey seven times walking past he didn't realize that he needed but then he said Peter go or Peter or whatever which one go get that donkey that was over back there over yonder the Lord tell him the Lord has need of it so you don't realize you need it until the time presents itself. And then God was, he needed, he needed to be lifted up. So he got the donkey because he realized he had need of it. Just like you, you need to realize when you have need of the things of God, when he puts you through the fire of God, then the fire of God tests and tempts the heart and shows you. The fire of God will even light up things in the spirit to show you what is really better, is really the better part. Oh, how about Mary and Martha? And Martha's so busy and Mary's at his feet. Mary chose the better part. And God was even shaken up. Well, you think Martha was just passive about what Jesus said? Martha's like trying to rebuke Mary in front and, and use Jesus. Like, hey, Jesus, look, she's not even helping me. She, shouldn't she be hurt? Because she had a worldly mindset of serving God. She thought serving God was doing all the things, preparing the house, doing the cups and all that. But do you think Mary or Martha, because she was trying to serve Jesus too, but she was doing it in the flesh. Don't you think Martha was shaken up a little bit when, when Jesus was like, well, leave her alone because she's choosing the better part. But she thought that God, she thought that God, Jesus was going to back, back her up and rebuke Mary. But he rebuked her and said, no, she's doing the better thing. She's the one serving because she's letting me serve her that I may serve them, that she may serve them later. All the things when Mary was laying at our feet, it's so that Christ would be, formed, would, would be manifest that other people would lay at Christ's feet. He said, I cannot, you cannot be my disciple if I cannot wash your feet. If I cannot serve you and give you the kingdom, you cannot serve others and give them the kingdom. One Peter six through eleven. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be more precious than gold. Of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. See, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, that our faith, that our walk would be pleasing to Him when He comes. And He's even coming now by His Spirit, looking, finding. You think Jesus is just coming on that last day to find faith and, and, and coming on that last day to see who's His and who's not? He's doing it even right now. Even right now, when His Spirit comes on, comes in the room, he moves on people that he finds faith in. Even right now, when his spirit comes in the room, he looks in people who he can trust, and he starts to entrust them with the oil. He starts to trust them with power. 
Sometimes, I'm not saying all the time because God uses different parts, but sometimes God will start to even show that he's choosing certain people by moving on them because he knows that they'll move on it, they'll tra- that he can trust them, that he can move with them, that they'll move with him. He's picking people right now and choosing people based on how faithful they are to him, and he starts entrusting them with more things to be faithful to. But we have to be faithful in a little. Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even unto salvation of your souls, of, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and seek diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Of, or what manner of the, of the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The sufferings of Christ bring the glory of Christ upon you. But if you, if, you can, if you do not suffer with Christ, if you do not tarry, if you do not become his worksmanship, if you do not become his laborer, he cannot put his glory on you. The suffering actually brings glory. When Jesus suffered and he drank the cup, when he died on the cross, it looked like suffering, it looked like terribleness, terrible stuff, but it brought glory. It brought you, me, right here, right now. This is his glory of his suffering. What he did 2,000 years ago when he suffered, it was for this very moment right now that we are able to come here and gather together, that when we drink his blood and we eat his flesh, that we remember what he did. Our suffering, our, every time we glory, we remember our sufferings because our sufferings is what produced us to be shown this glory or be able to handle or be entrusted with this glory. You sow suffering, God reaps glory in your life. You don't want to suffer, then don't ask why. There's no glory, there's nothing manifesting because you need, to, you need to let the seed go on the ground, you, the seed go on the ground that it may die and it may live, that God may raise it from the dead, that God let his son die in the ground as the seed died in the ground and he rose it from the dead, the seed now lives. And now we are the seed spread abroad. We are the seed of the seeds that comes out of the fruit and then you open the fruit and then there's more seeds in there more salvation comes out of salvation and salvation unto salvation and glory unto glory. We're going from faith to faith and glory to glory. That's how it's working. It's going from one to another. God sowed one man and reaped. He sowed himself and he reaped us. He sowed one son and he reaped many sons. He sowed one brother and he reaped many brothers and sisters. He sowed one vessel and now he has Millions of vessels over, and I'm not saying now, but in this present, I don't know how many are now, but over all of time. See, one seed, how one seed can bring millions of millions of fruit. And that fruit produces more seed. And that seed produces more fruit. And that fruit, seed from that fruit produces even more fruit and more seed. Let's go on to Job and then we'll just we'll finish. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present, present themselves before the, before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? When, then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said unto Satan, See how even Satan was being set up here. He's come to test Job. Well, what is Job all about? But God was, knew what he was going to do. Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth. See, even God initiated it. Satan came to him and God said, how about Job? 
How about him? And the Lord said, listen to what the Lord says to Job here. Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Perfect, I mean, he even used the word perfect. I thought, it, I, when I think of the story, I always think, I thought he said righteous or upright, but he even says perfect and upright man before me that hates evil. So there was no, God was approving of Job right then and there. But what was about to happen? Job's perfect and upright way was about to get even more perfected. It was about to become, his righteousness was about to become even more righteous. As if it could, but it can. And and when it come, we're talking about ways, we're not. I'm not talking about the righteousness of God. I'm talking about the righteousness of God being perfected in our ways and mind and thinking. And that's what God was intention was. Then Satan answered and said, "Do with Job fear God for naught? Heareth thou not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, his substance, and increased his is increased in the land." But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not thine hand. So Satan went forth in the presence of the Lord, and there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking. See, he's like, Satan's like, oh, well, of course Job's blessing you, because he has a house. He has kids that have a house. He has cattle. He has this, that, and the third. So of course he's going to bless you. Don't think this, that Satan's not going to try to do that to you. Well, God, look, you're blessing them with all this. You're blessing him with all this. You're blessing her with all this. Okay, but try them. Put them through the fire and let's see if they... Cr- see, the fire is even to prove to you, not even just to Satan, but to prove to you that what is in you is able to stand through the day and the evil day that is to come. See, God, see, we receive the foundation from above and receive the foundation from his messengers... But if we don't have confidence in it and we know that it will make it stand, God, see, God wants to not just to have a confident foundation in us. He wants us to be confident about the foundation he's put in us. Because we have to, see, even though you may be on the rock, when the, day, when the waves and the winds come, then there's that temptation to, is this rock really going to make me stand or should I jump onto something else? Is this rock going to really be immovable like it says it's going to be immovable or, or should I find another rock? See, God wants you to be able to be confident on what you're standing upon in your mind and in your heart so that when that day comes, you will not revert back to your old man. Some people, I'm telling you, and I believe that in the day to come, there's going to be people that were standing on the foundation or might have been standing on the foundation of God into some sort or to whatever, however effect, that when the waves, the real waves and the storms come, when the things come on the earth earth, that, that men's hearts will fall them or because of what they see, that they will jump off the foundation because they, they didn't have the full confidence like they should have. See, but God is putting us through waves and winds and fire right now so that when the time comes, we know it works. We've, this rock has been tested around me. See, the, see, you're not being tested and primed in the fire just to get things out of you, but you're also being tested and primed in the fire to show you the gold that is actually in you and what is of God in you. Some of us, hear things of God or hear God speak things, but because of unbelief, we don't fully know. God, Father, help my belief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Some of us believe, but there's a part where we're still unsure. 
See, when God brings the fire and all that stuff, he, that's where he comes to make us sure because I know I've had situations come up. I had this come up. I had this happen. Okay, how about this? How about let's, let's just go through different things. You believe in sowing and reaping, right? Okay, how about when you sow and you don't, start, you don't see anything yet? What are you going to do? God wants you to be sure so that you can... See, he doesn't want you to just go by the word because you heard the word. He wants you to go by the word because you see the manifestation of the word. He wants you to know that the word has, has the power and the backing behind it. See, I don't just preach the word. Paul said, I preach it with signs and wonders following and demonstration of power. But he also wants to demonstrate the power with signs and wonders in your life, personal life as well. He wants to show, test me and, I, and put the offering and I, test me and, and watch me pour out a blessing. He wants you to see it. Every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God he backs it and he follows it to make sure that you know that it's not just words, but it's also power. See, when religion speaks, it's just words, but never, nothing ever follows and nothing ever happens. Nobody ever changes. Everybody stays the same. But, and everybody rejoices, but everybody's still the same. But in the kingdom, people start to transform. In the kingdom, things start to happen. So, so and reap, yeah. Okay, you're standing out great. You know it's the word of God. But then there's that time where God stops the reaping for a moment, not because you don't deserve it, you will get it, but because he wants to see, okay, now is he going to go back to his old ways or is he going to go here? See, there's even fiery trials that God puts you to see if you're going to continue to stand on the rock or you're going to jump off. Well, I don't know if it works because I don't see it. Well, do you think God's testing you? Stand and then we'll see. See, sometimes you have to stand and then you'll see. Many times you think Jesus was just saying words just to say words. Even the little words, the little sentences that he said were even prophetic. How many times did he say to the disciples, wait and see? Are you the son of God? Are you really going to do this? Is this really this? Uh, wait and see. Are you sure, Jesus, that this man could be healed? Wait and see. See, sometimes you got to wait and see, and then he'll show you. But he wants to test you. He wants to affirm that. Yeah, of course you believe if I do signs and wonders, but will you believe without seeing anything? Blessed are those that believe and don't see, but I say, woe to you if you have to see to believe. Because if you have to see to believe, you don't really believe. And you won't believe until you see. And sometimes God doesn't want you to see because we believe and don't see because it's Him in us that convinces us. So He has to put us through things, through the fire, to try us, to convince us this is the truth. Well, any, pick any way of God, any, any principle of God. Well, if I really forgive, is it really going to work? Well, how come I'm forgiven? They still keep attacking me or this still keeps happening. Well, stand and, and watch it happen. Pray for your enemy. I'm praying for my enemies, God, but, but nothing's happening. Wait and see. Pray. Do it. Do the principles of God. Sometimes God is testing you on a word. And I'm not just talking about words in the Bible. I'm talking about individual words. You have to stand on until and let him, and let him, and let him show you. And he'll take and he'll start, you'll start to see things start to happen. But not only good things, but you'll start, he'll start to put you through things that may look strange or may not feel like you want to go through it. But he goes, you go through it to see. Why is this like the man with the, with the, that he needed to put the mud on his eyes? It was for the glory of God. They, God used that man's illness. It wasn't because of the sin of his father or mother. Like we talked about earlier, God wanted them to see and even let his disciples believe. See, that man's infirmities was not even just about him. It actually 
it actually moved generations and generations to see God's power. Generations and generations read the Bible and look back on that scripture and say, wow. And see that a blind man can really see. God knew when he formed that man what was going to happen and he knew he set it all up so that people can see the glory of God. If there was no sickness, no illness to cure, there was no demons to cast out, how would God get glory? If everything was just good and fine and there was no evil, how would God show us his kingdom without having another kingdom and showing how, how low that kingdom, how he uses the kingdom of the Lord to show how high his kingdom really is. Look, at, you think this is great? Oh, you, you think Solomon's glory was all great? Not even Solomon's glory would be able to measure up to what I have, what, my glory that I'll have in my kingdom. That, not even that. And they say he was the richest man in the world. Not even that will we even be able to measure up to the glory that is of his kingdom. There came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and Sebans fell upon them and took away, them away. Yeah, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only, and this is all this cattle dying, I only, I, I, I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there was also another that said, the fire, this, this, I want to just throw this in just because this was there, even. The fire of God, he says the fire of God in verse 16, is fallen from heaven and have burned up thy sheep. Why would, why would God let fire come upon the sheep? The fire of God, right? That's what this message is about. The tried by fire. He was trying Job by fire, putting, all, putting these things to the side because eventually he blesses Job later double what he had, all for the trying of his faith. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and have burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. Only I, and I, was this, what? God's doing, God's allowing this? Not only escaped, am I doing something wrong, God? My sheep are dying now. What's going on? And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans made out their three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yeah, have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only, only escaped to tell you. What is God? What? That? First this? First this? What inequity have I done? While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and daughters were eating and drinking. Wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men and they were dead. And only I am escaped to tell thee. God, now my kids? What is happening to me? What, are, what, did I, what have I done to come? What, where have I sinned, God? What am I doing wrong, God? But Job is a perfect, upright man. But what? what but I'm, you saying that, God, but this has all happened? What is happening? And, the, and religion will really get messed up over that because they don't even really know. They're trying of their faith, but really, God, that's probably happening by the enemy because they have so many open doors. But God, don't think just because... See, we think just because we're walking right and pure and all that, yes, God is going to bless us, but there's things God challenges us and takes us through to try us. And it seems bad, like, or it, seems, it may seem like we're in sin or something's wrong as to why this is happening, but it may be coming upon you to even form you better and refine you even more. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. I've read that already. And 21 says, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return. This is now Job speaking. The Lord gave, the, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and all the Job sinned not, 
In all this, Job sinned not, but I bet you some of us would sin and start cursing out God. And what happens next? And he never charged God foolishly, it says. I'm not even going to read this for the sake of time, but then the next part, then his wife. Because then more stuff started to happen. And then his skin, all the boils on his skin started to appear. What is happening to me, God? Why is this happening? See, people don't even realize some of the things that they're going through, even things on their body, they don't even realize it could be for the glory of God. It could be to get them right with God or whatever. It may be what it does. I mean, God does these things. Why does he do these things? For the glory of God, for the formation of Christ in us, even to that others may glory and see his power. But, and then what happens? Job. Why don't you curse God? Why don't you go turn on him? Look what he, all he's done to you. Why don't you curse him? See, there's going to be that moment where God is even going to test you with himself. There's going to be that moment where you may have a relationship with somebody and a kingdom. See, we think just because there's kingdom relationships that there will never. It says a brother is, ad, is born out of adversity. You can also replace that. A sister is born of, out of adversity. Every kingdom connection and relationship, every kingdom thing is going to be tested and tried. And there's going to be moments where each party, even in a relationship, even a husband and wife, God will allow things to happen and the enemy will come and try or the fire will come and try either one. And, that, and it'll have to be that moment like David where, the, where he was being tried with Saul. And he put that sword right next to Saul's head and said, I will not harm the, I will not harm the anointed of the Lord. Jonathan and David, they, had, they were on either side of of the war, but God made it a kingdom connection. They had differences, but God it used their differences to make them the same in one and one, 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 uh, one soul together. It said the, that God knitted their souls together. And that's what God even does in the kingdom. He, he doesn't just, it's not just, we think, oh, it's kingdom. God called me to it. God called me to this person. God called me here. It's all going to be good. It's all going to work out because I'm in my destiny, right? No. Get ready to get ready to let that get ready for the devil to go to God and say, "Okay, yeah, everything's going right. Let me try them. Let's see if they really stay." Sometimes the trying of your faith is so you can come out and look Nebuchadnezzar in the face and say, "Now what?" So that you can look Satan in the face and say, "Now what?" And then even see, even God wants to show Satan, so that Satan has to write your name in hell and say, "We need to watch out for this man. We need to watch out for this woman." All the, God is showing all the kingdom of darkness to, to make you approve that you will, they will, they will, that they know that the kingdom of God is upon you and that you will cast out demons by the finger of God. But if Satan finds an accusation, he feels like he finds a foothold. Job, and then after, and then after it's all over in 23, but he knoweth the way that I take. And even Job said this, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Even Job realized he was being tried the whole time. This was all trial for him. It wasn't, and, there, and there was things, if you actually read through the book of Job, there was things he was being challenged. Every, it, was, it seemed like if you read through it, and I actually read through it for once, skimmed through it, <laughs> and there was points where it's like, it seemed like every thought in his heart or everything inside of him was being tested and tried and being challenged and being tempted and being primed. All to so that he can stand even stronger in, in the end. Even things that he found, may have found in himself. James 5.11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. This is James. Ye have heard of the patience in Job. And he's talking about, we count them happy which endure. 
and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender in mercy. Just a few more and we're done. Zechariah 13, 7 through 9. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the men that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite thy shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. I will turn my hand upon the little ones, and it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say that it is my Lord. Who do you think that he's talking about? He's talking about us. That out of all the people that he would circumcise in their hearts a people unto himself, a third of the people, two parts being cut off. And, and, but what, what about the five, wise, and the five wise and the five foolish, right? Only five were, five were wise in the, in, the, in the end. See, God takes us through the fire so that we may call him Lord and say, yes, this is my, that we would obey and submit and that he would approve of us. Romans 5, so we're going to just shoot through these and we're going to be done. 5, 2 through 4. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of this glory. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. See, these things work. These tribulations and trials, these fiery trials, they work patience in you. Oh God, make me patient. Here's a trial. God, make me patient. Just do it, God. Just don't give me a trial. Just do it. No, that's not how I do it. Because if I just gave you everything, where would you ever, where would your heart ever be formed to line up with those things that I gave you? See, if I gave you everything and I just put those fruit on your tree, but then the roots defile still. I want the heart, the root to be clean, just like the fruit. And, and actually, God actually works a natural bearing of fruit in us. Even it's the fruit of the spirit, but it's the spirit that quickens our heart and, and out of our heart comes the roots of the, the spirit that has worked in our hearts. See, we ask God to change our words, but what we need to be asking is God to change our heart. We need to be, we're asking God to change our thoughts, but we need to ask God to change our heart. God wants to deal with the roots. He doesn't just want to give you patience. He wants to put you through tribulation and trials to get the root in you and not just the fruit in you coming out of you. See, that's the car, that's carnal thinking is we want fruit to be done, but we don't want the rudiments See, we've been delivered from the rudiments of the world, but now he wants to deliver the rudiments of the world in us. Not just the things we did, not just the pollutions that we were in, but the pollutions that are left in. Knowing that the tribulation worketh patience. See, it worketh patience, experience, and experience hope. Well, that's just by the word of God. But even there's experience that God puts you through to help you know and understand and stand firm on what you know and heard. He doesn't want you to just know and hear it. He wants you to see it, stand on it, know all about it, been through it, experienced it. I know it. I have hope in it. See, the experience of the word actually gets you to hope in the word. Not just the hearing of the word, but the experience of the word in your life, the testimony of the word actually gets you to hope in the word because you're that much more confident about the word. Because guess what? I've seen it happen. I've seen it done. I've seen it. I know. I know what he can do. He's done it. And you don't have to keep looking at everybody's testimony. Look, he did it, and that person's like, what about in you? That's the hope that I want. 
And then you skip down to six. Humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. See, he, says, he starts talking about the devil now, but then look what he talks about. Whom resist steadfast in your faith. Resist him steadfastly in your faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in, that are in the world. Knowing that the same afflictions that have come upon them at times has now come upon you and there's no difference. You look at somebody and say, or you look at something that's happened to you, well, this, this is a, I'm a special case. No, this has never happened. Every, no, no. The same afflictions, the same trials, the same tribulations, he will have you go through the same shadow of it because he's trying to get you to the same place. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto the eternal glory of, of Christ Jesus, after the, uh, that ye have suffered a while, after ye have suffered a while, he may make you perfect, established, strengthened, and he may settle you. What did Paul say? In all things I have learned to be abased and abound. Whether I, have, whether I have need or whether I have, I have learned to flourish and I have learned to be, be content in all things. See, but God took him through things to get established in that word that he spoke. Paul wasn't just speaking from a, from a hearing realm. He was speaking from an experiential realm of what he heard. See, we don't see the best messages that you hear are not the messages that are just heard from heaven, but they're the, the ones that are experienced from heaven. When a messenger speaks, like, like we were talking about earlier, like when the person is one with the word. See, you may hear the word, but not be one with it. The word needs to be made flesh in us. The word was God. See, the word was heard in the Old Testament. The word was heard in the Old Covenant, but in the New Testament, it became flesh. It was heard, but now it was. It always was, but now in the flesh it is. I am, he, Moses heard I am, but now I am was standing before the disciples. See, I don't want to just hear God tell me that you are, yes, I am, I am, I am God's son, I am this. I want to actually be that I am that he is, that he, and that he says I am. Now we are the little I ams of the I am. Now what he is, now we shall be, who Christ is in heaven, we shall be here on earth. We are now his flesh on earth. We are now his body on earth. And now we are. But we have to become like he is. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober and vigilant. All right, let's... Everybody stand up. We'll just go through these and then we'll end. James. One, two through four. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. This, this, is, a, this is another... That was Romans, that was Paul, and then we have James saying the same thing. The trying of your faith worketh patience, but, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. See, it brings your will down to nothing to where you're wanting nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not but want. But how shall I ever know that the Lord is my shepherd if I always want? So he brings the fire to get us to not want and want him only and him alone and his destiny. He'll even take you through your destiny to realize you don't want your destiny and you want the destiny that he has for you. He has to flesh you out. He has to flesh you out to flush you out at the dung gate. Psalms chapter 66, for thou, O God, has proved it. 
proved us that, that, that thou hast tried us as silver is tried. This is all over the word. I had, there was way more scriptures, but I didn't want to go off crazy. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon, he laid affliction upon their loins. That's what it says here in verse 11. Thou hast laid affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over, over our heads. He has caused. We went through, the, through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us into a wealthy place. Through fire and through water, through tribulations, through trials, through temptations, through suffering, through this, he brings us to a wealthy place. He works all things for the good of those who love him and are called to his purpose. Do you love him? Are you called to his purpose? If that's you, then you need to say yes to the fire. You need to stop resisting the fire. You need to stay steadfast when the enemy comes to you and think it no strange thing because he is priming you. He is trying you. Oh, he, if you do this, God, put boils on his skin or do this, he's going he's to deny you. No, let's see, Satan. What are you going to do when Satan comes? What are you going to do when God tests you? Pass the test. The test is not so the teacher knows that you'll pass the test. The test is so that you can see that you know what's on the test. See, even in the world, that, even in the world that has a religious mindset, they take a test because they want to be approved by the teacher and get to the thing. But the test is so that you can know what you don't know. So that you can know what you do know. I have faced the enemy and fell. And now I know how to face the enemy and win because I have fell and I've gotten back up and he taught me the way to win. How then shall we know, Father, that unless you have created the opposition, that we would know how to overcome the opposition? Thank you, Father. Right now, Father, we release your glory. Father, we release your, your, you are the comforter, Father. Even when they were in the fire, Father, you were comforting them in the fire, Father. See, we look for him to comfort us in our comfort zone, but really it's in our uncomfort zone that he comforts us. It's in the fire that he becomes the light. It's in the fire that he becomes the, the, the place where we cool off. It's in the fire where he guides us out of the fire. Your only way out of the fire is to submit to the fourth man in the fire. Thank you, Father. Just bless us, Father. Release your anointing, Father. Work on all of our hearts, Father. Even everybody over YouTube, work on their hearts, Father. Create a, a bride without spot or wrinkle, Father. Create a bride, Father, that we were refined out of the fire. Oh, God, I want to be holy and spotless and blameless, but I can't do it without your fire. Your fire brings me there. I have my will. I say yes, but I know the fire is what I need to say yes to because you are the fire. You are an all-consuming fire. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.